Ion 2020, episode 282. Have 2020 Vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. Happy Monday, everybody. It's Ray Eaton, your host, Ion 2020. Appreciate you joining me for another week in the election cycle, and there is some election news, so I will get to that today. I will talk about something other than the coronavirus for a little while today, which is great. I am very happy about that. This is actually an episode of TMZ in some ways, because uh, we're sitting there looking at the Democratic race, and, the you know, you're talking about Joe Biden, who's going to be the presumptive nominee right now, and obviously he's going to be the person that becomes the nominee uh, unless something happens, and there, there's there's a little bit of something that just happened that might actually put put him out of the race, might actually end up having a convention that is chosen, like the, the delegates get to choose whoever the heck they want to, and it just kind of throws out the entire election process, the entire last year, supposedly, of, or yeah, the last year of the campaigning that these people have done. Joe Biden obviously... He wins the nomination. Everyone drops out. The Democrats really push for him. I think the establishment really pushed for him to be the nominee, and people just started dropping out. But now, you're looking at a huge controversy. And to me, it's really interesting to watch what's going on, the way that the Democrats are just ignoring this whole thing with Tara Reid right now. Tara Reid's that actress, and I guess... Back in the 90s, the early 90s, she worked in Washington, D.C. as a intern for Joe Biden, and he touched her in different ways and, you know, put, I don't know if you, put his hands on her in ways that she didn't like. And, you know, with the whole Me Too movement nowadays and stuff, it's really something that if you did anything that's even slightly wrong, they're going to come after you big time for that. I mean, look at... Brett Kavanaugh, look at um, the things that they did to him, and now they're going to do the same thing to Joe Biden, but they're not doing it to Joe Biden, that's the thing. As many people that came out and said, believe the woman, the woman's always to to be believed and taken seriously in an allegation of sexual misconduct, as much as people get or as much as especially the left and the people that were anti-Trump, the anti-Trump people is what it was. As much as they said, Brett Kavanaugh is bad, look at him. He did this when he was in high school. He was at these parties raping girls. And the evidence was, was there, but not really. People defended him on the right. The Trump supporters defended him and obviously the people that were not Trump supporters did not defend them. Like, that's just the way that things are in politics. You're going to defend your guy down to the dying to his dying breath. And you're going to look for any way to rationalize anything that they do that might be negative. Both sides are going to do it every single time. 
and with this uh, Kavanaugh thing, like, they went after this guy hard. This was a national scandal. Congress brought him in, the Senate brought him in and questioned him, had these huge, you know, this trial going on to try to see if he did it or not. They brought the accuser in. She had a big stump speech. He had a big stump stump speech where he was crying, saying, I'd never do this. And it was just a big show. A huge show because the Democrats did not want this guy to become a judge. And they said the women should be listened to. The women should be heard. That's what they said. And then about a month or so ago, you hear about Tara Reid making an accusation against Joe Biden that he did some sexual misconduct when she was a an intern. She made these accusations, and uh, it hardly made a headline on the news. Obviously, coronavirus is going on right now, and we're 24-7. I mean, we have a 24-7 news cycle that is only focused ever on one particular issue. And when they're not on that one particular issue for like a month or a week, they're looking for one particular issue to jump onto. The thing is, is would they would have jumped... If, if, coronavirus was not there, would they have jumped on to Tara Reid's accusations against Joe Biden? I'm not sure that they would have. Because Joe Biden is their guy. He's the guy that can beat Donald Trump. He's the guy that can get the African American vote. He's the guy that people will get behind in November. Is that true? Is that the reason why they're ignoring Tara Reid? I don't know. But it seems kind of... It it seems like the writing's on the wall. It seems like it's true to me. As an outside observer looking in, if a woman makes a accusation against a man, then you should listen to the woman. That's what they said back then. And then you have CNN, MSNBC, protecting their guy. You have all the, the media outlets protecting their guy. They had to have been. They must be protecting their guy. Or else they would have not made such a big deal of it when it was Brett Kavanaugh. When it was anyone else. They wouldn't have made that big of a deal of it. Even a darling of Hollywood, you know... The guy that just got sentenced, I can't think of his name right off the top of my head right now. I apologize. You guys know who I'm talking about. Who would bring actresses into his into his office and you know have sex with them there and stuff with the idea that they're gonna get ahead in the in the um, movie industry. Like they went after him. The whole Me Too movement. They didn't have a political they didn't have agendas towards specific people if you did it they went after you if you were somebody and obviously there's some kind of political motivation behind the me too movement per se 
But they were not discriminating based upon, oh, it's a Republican. No, they went after everybody, anybody. The Me Too movement went after them all. But where are they at now? Where are they at now? I'm not saying Joe Biden is innocent, and I'm not saying that he's guilty. I'm not. I reserve my judgment because I believe that people are innocent until proven guilty. And I say that when it's a Democrat, a Republican, a Libertarian, anyone that's on trial, I believe that people are innocent until proven guilty. Obviously, there can be overwhelming evidence of something, and then you can make a decision based upon that in your mind. If you can get clear, overwhelming evidence, evidence that's unbiased, if you can figure out a way to weigh it all, you can make a judgment, obviously. Anyone can make a judgment about somebody's guilt or innocence. They can. Like, I remember listening to the Kavanaugh hearings, and I thought to myself, I didn't really feel like he did what that lady said that he did. Or if somebody did it to her, I don't know that I would... I didn't get the impression that it was him. I didn't. And I tried to look at it as unbiasedly as possible when I was listening to that hearing. I felt like there was a lot of political stuff going on at the time. And there was a lot of people pressuring people in certain directions. I felt like obviously this guy's going to become a federal judge. So people are going to try to manipulate the entire system and the entire process that was going on. And I felt like, in my mind, I did not feel like he was guilty of that. Like, I made a judgment, but who knows? It's possible that he was very guilty of it. And I don't remember all of the details, but during that time, I remember coming away from it thinking to myself, I'm not sure if this guy's guilty. And I listened to those hearings, like, constantly on the radio. I listened to them. Because it was interesting to me. I'm interested in hearing stuff like that. And I don't know why. I, I have no idea why. I just... I enjoy seeing the back and forth between the Republicans and the Democrats. And I enjoy trying to figure out the different strategies that they're using. Because there's always a strategy to, over, to get the government in the control of your party. Those parties are always fighting back and forth for every shred that they can get. So I enjoy that. That's so I I followed that and I came away thinking to myself, I'm not convinced that he's guilty. I mean, there's not a lot of evidence except for one person's word, but that's that's a lot of cases, especially in sexual misconduct. So is Joe Biden guilty or innocent? I don't know. Is Tara Reid lying? I don't know. To be honest, in this situation, most most Hollywood people are Democrats, right? Most Hollywood people go along with the status quo that everyone else goes along with, which is like, we're going to vote Democrats because they care about people. That's the perception that somehow these people in Hollywood have of the Democrats. I'm not sure why. So I tend to think that maybe 
in that situation, she has a lot to lose and very little to gain by calling Joe Biden out for this. So in my gut, I feel like she's probably telling the truth because of that, just because of that. Because she has a lot to lose. Because in Hollywood, most of the decisions, like most of the people are very liberal. Most of the people, I've heard that if you're like a hardcore staunch Republican or a Trump supporter or a conservative, like you have a hard time getting jobs. People take into account your politics in some ways in Hollywood. So Tara Reid trying to come out and say that Joe Biden did this, like, she has stirred up the establishment in Hollywood. Will she get more jobs because of that? Will it be beneficial to her or not? It will not benefit her. When it comes to acting, if that's what she wants to do. When it comes to producing, if that's what she wants to do. So she has a lot to lose and little to gain by accusing Joe Biden. So I tend to think that she's probably telling the truth. That's I mean that's a that's my rationale, but I'm not saying that Joe Biden's guilty or innocent. I reserve that judgment. I haven't even heard enough to know. I really haven't. It's been kept under lock and key in some ways. Hardly any news articles about it. Yes, there's been some, but they're not the headline. They're not front news front page news. They're not leading the hour with Tara Reid. If anything, it's a side note. And that, when you have Joe Biden, who's possibly going to be the next president of the United States, like when it was, when it was Donald Trump in 2015, 2016, that was front news, that was the headline. When any, whenever anybody accused him of anything. Was it Stormy Daniels? That was a headline that he paid her to stay quiet. That was like the talk of the town on CNN and MSNBC. They probably dedicated entire hours to that. Yet, but but Donald Trump was not running as a Democrat. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's the case. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Fox News is picking up on Tara Reid's thing now. They're saying, like, I think she had an interview and she was calling out Anderson Cooper for, you know, kind of ignoring it. But you cannot stir up the pot. That's the thing. They've already chosen. They've already cho- chosen their guy. They have their guy. They have their presidential nominee. So shut up. Remain silent. Don't bring up anything to do with sexual misconduct. Because if that is the case, then we might lose in December or in November. It's an absolutely terrible way to think of it, but it's a political game, guys. It really is. The parties have to control the narrative. The parties have to control the House, the Senate, the Presidency, and the Judicial. That's their goal. It'll be interesting to see what happens with this entire story. I know it's going to come out because it's going to get pushed forward and pushed forward and pushed forward. And then I was the biggest thing that I see is 
What is that going to do to Joe Biden's campaign? Are the Democrats going to get behind Tara Reid on this thing? Are they going to get behind her and say, hey, listen, you know what? We need to really look into this and see what really happened. Apparently her mother called up Larry King asking about what she should do or something like that. And that tape comes out back in 1993, I think. So there was somebody talking about it back then. She's remained silent about it. I don't know if it was out of fear or what. Maybe she got paid off. I don't know. But this is going to become an issue going forward. They cannot hide it that much longer. They can't. Somebody's going to bring it up. And Fox News is going to bring it up. And then the Democrats are going to look at Fox News like they're evil or something like that. Just like they do all the time. And the Republicans look at MSNBC as evil for not doing this and that. It's just two sides bickering back and forth. That's why I'm a libertarian, because I can't stand that anyway. So, but that is the big news of the election cycle right now. That is what's going on. There's nothing else going on except for coronavirus, and you know my feelings on that. You know what I've been saying about that for the last month now. Two months now, I think, almost. I was looking at my first episode on this, and I think I talked about it in the very beginning of March. It was like a side note, the politics of the coronavirus. And this is a political issue. I was saying it back then. It's a political issue. Yes, it's a deadly virus. Yes, it's a serious virus. Yes, people that get it, especially if you're older and have underlying conditions, you're likely to get it. So you need to... protect your family or your mother and your father or whoever it is that might be high risk yeah do that but as more and more evidence comes out as more and more of the numbers come out I tend to think that this was a blatant overreaction I do a lot of people disagree with me on that especially people that are not like libertarian leaning people that don't distrust their government but I've never seen some people trust especially people that hate Donald Trump trust the Trump administration as much as these people do now. And I've never seen people who are Trump followers distrust the administration as much as they do now in some ways. It's kind of weird, actually. And it's not that. Like, they say, oh, yeah, you have to follow the science. The scientists are saying this. The scientists are saying that. But that's not true. Every scientist is not in unison saying the same thing but you have to listen to their scientists, the Trump administration's scientist, the one that they chose. And that not necessarily that they chose it, but that he's, he's the head of the CDC, or the National Institute of Health or something like that. That's funded by the federal government. And everyone says, oh, well, there's no agenda. Yes, there's agendas for everything, guys. There is. Every person, every person that makes any decision has some sort of agenda, whatever it is. It's driving me crazy, the coverage of this thing, because nobody is is allowed to ask questions. Nobody's allowed to question it. Nobody's allowed to debate in public this stuff. It's all hidden behind closed doors where people are just secretly thinking one thing, but they know, like publicly they say one thing, and secretly and behind closed doors, they know 
that the numbers just don't add up. They don't. They close things off. They said in in the middle of March, we need to shut down everything because there's going to be possibly going to be 2.2 million deaths. And the World Health Organization said that there's a 7 or 8% death rate, mortality rate because of this virus. So if you get it, you have a 7% chance of dying. That's what they were saying. That's what they were saying. If you tested two people and one person died total, they would call it a 50% death rate in this world that we're living in right now. You test two people only and one person dies. You test ten people and five people die, same thing. Not counting the hundreds of thousands of people that possibly already have it. But nobody's revising the numbers. They shut things down based upon inaccurate numbers. And then when the new numbers come out, when they continue to come out day after day after day, nobody questions those numbers or reevaluates the plan or anything. There's no reevaluation of the plan as new data comes out. They double down on the same plan, they double down on the same data. That's what they're doing. It just amazes me that people continue to go along with it. It does. <clears throat> and I made a post on Eye on the Empire earlier today, and it says basically that if politicians believe that 85% of the people, if, they, if, if, it's, if the polls say that 85% of the people are okay with government shutdowns and government lockdowns of the economy then it's not politically popular for them to make a decision to reopen. It'll cost them more. It'll be a cost to them to reopen because the people will look at that person and say something negative about them. They will not make the decision to reopen until the people get pissed, until the people rise up and say no more because it's politically unpopular. If 85% of people say, you know, that we should not open, then the politicians are not going to open. Because if they do, then all of a sudden they're going to look bad. They're going to look like somebody who is looking for people to die. They're not going to make... I mean, in South Carolina, they're making decisions. In Georgia, they're making decisions. Because maybe the people are frustrated there. Frustrated with it. So maybe the 85% is more like 50% are okay with the lockdowns and 50% are not. Just depends upon where you're at. But if it's politically unpopular, they're not going to have the political will to do it. And that's all it really comes down to. And it sickens me. Because they did it on false pretenses. They closed it down on the idea that we're going to have 2.2 million deaths. Yes, it is true that shutting down the economy probably saves some lives, guys. I'm not dis- discounting that either, okay? If you have a hundred people that lived in a t- little town and the, and the coronavirus was going around in that little town and one or two people had it, if you did nothing, then people would probably do some minor social distancing or even some major social distancing, especially if it got worse and like five people got it, ten people got it, twenty people got it, right? 
people would on their own do some social distancing and quarantine themselves and do whatever. Like, they're, none of those hundred people are going to act normal as if things are normal. So you're going to save lives based upon doing nothing. Now, if you forced everyone to go about their normal day and forced them to, at gunpoint, hey, you can't social distance. Hey, you know what? Don't hold your breath around that person. Start breathing. If you force them to do it, then obviously you'd have deaths. More deaths than normal. But by doing nothing, you still have people that are going to make their own decisions to do things. To quarantine themselves or stay home or stay away from people or not go to parties. So those two people, let's say it turns into four people and five people and seven people and ten people. The more people that get it, the more people are going to realize it, especially with the media hyping it up. And they're going to stay home, do whatever, not go to the beach, go, not go into this store, that store, not, you know. They're going to make decisions to protect them, their lives. So you're going to save lives just by doing nothing. But if you take that town and you lock them down, you're going to save lives, of course. Because you're forcing people to do something that they might not have other done on, done on their own. But is it worth it? Let's say you saved an extra two or three lives, but destroyed the entire town's economy. They didn't get to plant crops that that year, so they can't eat. Everyone goes on welfare. Is it worth it? I don't know. Oh, and then as soon as they lift the quarantine, everyone goes out because they've been cooped up all day and they haven't made their own personal decision to do it. So they go out, they go downtown, then they start catching it among themselves as well. That's what you're seeing at these beaches. The, the, the county opens up, they say, go ahead and do it. Go on out and do it. And everybody who's been cooped up just runs to the beach. If you never closed the beach in the first place, you wouldn't have that mass migration to the beach. People would have made different decisions. So, I mean, I don't hold all the answers. I don't pretend to hold all the answers. You guys know that. I'm just giving my opinion, my, my thoughts on this every single day. And the more I realize it, the more I think that Yes, the coronavirus is real. Yes, people do die from it. Yes, it's bad. So is the flu. We don't shut down for the flu. Is it 10% worse than the flu? Well, so anything that's 10% worse than the flu, we should shut down for. Is it 20% worse than the flu? Is it 100% worse than the flu? Who knows? But we don't shut down for the flu. We encourage people to wash their hands more for the flu. We encourage people to stay home if they're sick with the flu. We encourage people to keep their kids home if they have the flu. We don't shut everything down for the flu. We don't make laws pass that you have to wear masks for the flu. We don't arrest people at the beach for the flu. We don't shut down playgrounds for the flu. If it's 10% worse than the flu... Do we shut it down? Is it okay to shut down for coronavirus? If it's 20% worse than the flu, there are really, really bad flu seasons that we don't shut down for. The worst on record is like 90,000 deaths in America or something like that. I'm pulling that out of my hat, but I think I saw that somewhere. But let's say the worst ever is 75,000. They're not even predicting 75,000 deaths from coronavirus right now for this season. They're not. But we didn't shut down for the worst flu season 
So what makes shutting down for this one so much more necessary? That's the thing, guys. If it's 10% worse, is it worth spending $5 trillion of borrowed money? Is it worth shutting down the entire economy? Is it worth 25% unemployment if it's 10% worse than the flu? Should our leaders protect us from the flu then? Should our leaders protect us from everything? I mean, as soon as they let people out to go out and start working again, as soon as they open up the economy, there's going to be more car accidents on the road. There's going to be more murders because people are out and about doing whatever they do. So there's not this huge lockdown. They say, like, Miami didn't have any murders last week or something. First time in years. So as soon as that first murder happens when they reopen, is that blamed on the politician? Like, there's... The thing that we're doing is just... It's not logical, it doesn't seem like to me. And I don't know that there's an agenda somewhere else. I have no idea. I don't, but... It's interesting to see, man. And in hindsight, I think everyone's going to look back on this and think, what a crazy time we lived in. What an amazing thing that happened with this whole coronavirus deal. And I don't know, going forward, I I just worry that they're going to make different decisions going forward about, oh, well, we got to save lives, so shut down the economy for the flu, shut down the economy once a year, shut down this and shut down that. Amazing, guys. Amazing. But hey, um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this show today. I appreciate those that continue to listen every day. Numbers grow, and that's good. I noticed that the numbers are still growing, even though... They they took a dip for a while, because I think people aren't driving as much. But they're starting to go back up again, and I appreciate that. Share it with your friends if you like what you hear. Share it on Facebook and on Twitter and wherever else as well. Uh, That's what I'd like to see also. And uh, you can follow me on IamTheEmpire.com. I'm the Empire on Facebook and on Twitter. Ray at IamTheEmpire if you want to email me. And uh, I I think you'll like some of the articles I post on the I Am The Empire website as well. And those get posted on the Facebook and Twitter also whenever I post those. So if you want to follow me there, you can. You can see those articles. Uh, I try to be diverse and stuff. Get some anti-war stuff in there. Get some... um, I don't know. I mean, that that's what I cover is a lot of the anti-war stuff, a lot of the presidential stuff, a lot of the stuff that's going on in our country that are um, destroying your liberties. Like, those are the things I try to focus on. Civil, civil liberties, um, conservative issues as well, on, like, fiscal spending and things of that nature. Uh, so you might like to see what, I, what I'm posting as well. And then, uh, and that's it. So I appreciate you joining me, though. Keep on coming back and listening. You could come back on Thursday, and you'll have clear vision for 2020.